You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. I thought that if I was faithful to God, that God was going to uh, reward me. And if I uh, sinned a lot, and, and there was going to be consequences, and God was going to punish me. Now, there are consequences to our sin, uh, but the idea of God punishing, God doesn't uh, punish. Our sin punishes us. Our sin condemns us. Jesus came to save. So when we are in... Um, when we have faith in Jesus, it's not, uh, we're not promised good circumstances just because we now are, are called sons and daughters of, of, of God. We're, we're part of his family. Uh, God gives us peace to go through those difficult seasons. And this is just one of many examples in the Bible of, of that. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. We are continuing our series on the royal family, studying the genealogy of Jesus. And I'm joined by two special guests that know each other fairly well, some would say. First, we have Lead Pastor Jose Avaro with us. Good morning, Taylor and Taylor. (laughs) Yes, he gave it away. And we're joined by Taylor Avaroa. Taylor, great name. Thanks for being here. Great name, and it is so good to be here. Awesome stuff. Okay, Jose, I'd love to give you the first word, as always, on not just heading into this message, but also mm-hmm. love to hear your thoughts on why you picked Ruth and this message, because yes. there's a lot of people in the generations before Jesus. So what there made this so special? Yeah, so uh, a little biased and backstory. Ruth was the first book of the Bible that I actually ever read. Really? So I was an eighth grade student in... Uh, this wow. new school in Houston. I just moved from Miami. I grew up Catholic, so I never opened the Bible then. And I'm at this Christian school at Bible class, and they were studying the book of Ruth. So this was the first book that I read. So there is that bias in me. When I see Ruth, I immediately think back of, of the first time I was reading God's Word. And um, I looked down and thought of different ways and different characters to choose from, different ways to choose characters. And, you know, I just couldn't uh, get passed by Ruth. I thought about maybe focusing on Rahab, but really there's not enough um, in Rahab. And so it was through reading the book of Ruth, those four chapters, again, that's where I timed myself and knew it was under under 10 minutes that uh, I, I, I fell in love again. And I realized with, you know, what the message that God has in this beautiful book. And uh, that's why I chose Ruth. Well, one of the things already, I know we're only two weeks in, but just love about the series is, you know, at least for me, when you read for uh, Matthew 1, first chapter of Matthew, it's just like, oh yeah, you gloss over, you, you recognize some of the names, but there really is yeah. just the idea of the imperfect uh, people, real people that lived real lives that are uh, Jesus comes from. Jose, you kind of started with just even saying how Ruth is a shocking addition to Jesus' family life. Mm-hmm. And Taylor, you can jump in at any point. But Jose, I'd love for you just to even just pick up on that real quick as far as not just it's a cool story and she seems like a great person, but just even the the fact right. that she is in right. the story of Jesus. Yeah, so as a Moabite woman, uh, first being a woman, and then second being a Moabite woman, it is a shocking addition to the lineage of Jesus. And I know I look at myself and <laughs> I think what's I'm kind of a shocking addition. I'm shocked that I'm a part of God's uh, redemptive plan here on earth. And and it's the same for all of us who are a part of the family of Jesus. He wants to use all of us despite our imperfections, despite our shock factor of what we've done in the past or uh, uh, ways that we see ourselves. God wants to use all of us as a part of his redemption story. Yeah, and Taylor, I think you nailed it um, when you were saying real people because oftentimes we do. We open up to 
where all of the generations are listed and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to skip down to where I just see, you know, more content or verses or things like that. But it it's important to remember that these are real people and they have stories that have value and we can learn more about who God is and who we are through those. Yeah. Yeah. And Jose, you walked us through the book and identified four kind of things, four takeaways that that we can look at. So I'd love to hit those. And then we can obviously uh, just kind of jump on on some stuff too. But this first one here is just uh, that life is tough and God sees us in these tough times. And I think about as as you were saying this yesterday, Jose, I just thought about how even as a culture, like there is this, it's weird because on one hand, we want to be this authentic culture that's all about being real. But yet I think about entertainment or just everything around us is focused on taking us away from difficulties in life and escaping and just thinking like painting this perfect picture that nothing is wrong. And so why is it just so significant that both throughout this book, as well as throughout the entire story of the Bible, that it's real about hardship and about sin and about things that, at least for me, I, in my own life, would like to just kind of, you know, leave out or maybe right. just not mention or highlight as often as it is it is here. Yeah, I had a misconception for a long time. And I thought that if I was faithful to God, that God was going to uh, reward me. And if I uh, sinned a lot and, and there was going to be consequences and God was going to punish me. Now, there are consequences to our sin, uh, but the idea of God punishing, God doesn't uh, punish. Our sin punishes us. Our sin condemns us. Jesus came to save. So when we are in, um, when we have faith in Jesus, it's not, uh, we're not promised good circumstances just because we now are, are called sons and daughters of, of, of God. We're, we're part of his family. Uh, God gives us peace to go through those difficult seasons. And this is just one of many examples in the Bible of, of that. Right mm-hmm. off the bat, we see that Ruth, Naomi, Orpah are, are living through a very, very difficult season in their family and also in their land. There's a famine going on. So I love uh, to not only see this, but also make it a big deal because I think this connects with all of us. The Bible is a yeah. real story of real people like you guys, you guys just said that, um, that is relevant for us today, even though this was written in 1100 BC. Yeah, and often when we go through tough times, um, there's just different ways each one of us navigate through those times. But more often than not, we can end up feeling really alone in those times or like the circumstances that are happening to us only happen to us and it isolates us from the rest of the world. And so I think that the story of Ruth really shows that God does see us in tough times and even that our tough times have purpose Mm -hmm. uh, behind them and that God can take those times and make them purposeful. Yeah. That is that is so good and applicable, not just in the story that we're talking about here, but just throughout the Bible. Jose, I love one of the things that, and we can tag on this throughout uh, just this episode, but just the fact that this book isn't about Ruth or this book yeah. isn't about Boaz. Like, and just thinking about just even the, the storyline in general, just how there's so many characteristics of God, both in the way he acknowledges and he's with us in the tough times, but then even in his loving kindness that uh, the second point here, you said God's kindness accompanies us. We see that in the illustration here with Ruth and just her commitment, uh, no matter what, even to death, she says. And so that, that again, it's, it makes for a really neat story here, but also reflects the truth of how God sees us. And the phrase that, uh, Jose, you kept going back to was this idea of loving kindness and loving kindness, both her loving kindness, but then just ultimately God's loving kindness and how we're called to be 
that showing that loving kindness to others and uh, being uh, or loving someone and being kind are two frequent words you hear in church or just in general in the world. It's like, yeah, I, I want more of that. But but what does that look like? And even just particularly in the context and through the perspective of Ruth in this story here, what does that look like for us to go this week and show someone loving kindness? Yeah, we talk about grace a lot. And this is a, a word that is very close to grace. In fact, grace is not found in the Old Testament. We see loving kindness as the, the Hebrew word that transfers or that ta- uh, teaches us about God's love. Uh, one of the few words that, that, the Hebrew, um, that the Hebrew language has for love or that we get love from the Hebrew language. Anyway, um, Ruth shows this loyal uh, love towards Naomi. And I think this is a commitment that we make to one another. It's it's a bond that we choose. There's the obvious bond in marriage. So I am bonded to Taylor as my wife, and I am loyal to her above all other relationships. And, um, you know, our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ should be a couple steps lower. It's that still, uh, it's still that loyal kindness that we're going to go through hard times with one another and we're going to help each other out. Um, I really like that Ruth doesn't give Naomi answers. She just gives her her heart. She gives her her, her loyalty. Yeah. And when I hear things like this, I tend to take them and be pretty applicable with what does it mean for loving kindness? What does that look like in my life? And so as we have dissected that a little bit more, I kind of just think of our kids and you can be, I can be loving, but I can be not kind. And I know that my children love each other, but I can't say they're always kind to each other because that's that. <laughs> that's what it's like being a kid. It's hard to share and it's hard um, not to always get what you want immediately. And so, you know, I think the pairing of the two is really unique and it gives us some good guidance um, of how we are to love others, both loving and with kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, if anything, tacking onto that as far as only applicable piece, I think about, okay, it's a good idea in theory to be super loving and kind and gracious to others. But then I think what where it gets real is asking myself, why don't I do that? What what hinders me from that? What keeps you from that? And so uh, often it always just results back to the root of pride as far as just my idea that uh, I'm, I'm better than the people that God has called me to love or that um, it's and just there's all kinds of small things that that filter down whether it's unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, things that can stem from that. Where I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to be gracious or loving and kind to someone because they did this, this, and this, or they hurt me, that kind of thing. But uh, so I just think about just even going to God with all that and just recognizing His loving kindness for me. And it sounds cliche, but it is so key in order to then filter that out into other relationships too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good because it reminds me, you you think about all the things that Ruth left behind. She did have a future in her homeland. Things were going to be easier for her. She was younger, so it would have been easier for her to marry, et cetera, et cetera. But she left all of that behind. So mm-hmm. that was not a prideful decision. She had very little to benefit mm-hmm. uh, from going with Naomi. And yet she chose that to show that type of godly love to her mother-in-law. Yeah. That's so good. Okay, so here the third uh, point here and takeaway is just that God is our refuge and so many uh, good verses, uh, both just first off out of Ruth uh, 2, 11 through 12 here, just this idea that um, just the truth that God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then Jose, I loved how um, you tied those into two Psalms. I wrote down Psalms 91, uh, which is under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and ramport. And then even just 
uh, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Uh, Jose, you mentioned that just for some people, they look at maybe 2021 and they say, you thought 2020 was bad, but this year has actually been the hardest for them. And and even if it wasn't the hardest year of your life, there are still going to be times right. in which um, we are needing refuge. And there's so many things we could look to refuge for or from. And and yet, uh, what, what does it look like just in y'all's lives to go to God as your refuge amidst a lot of different options and a lot of different distractions that try to convince you that they are the true uh, refuge for you. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think it's going to continue to grow and grow about the number of options we have and places to go and um, escapes we have to find refuge in. And so for me, I think it this may sim- be oversimplifying it, but I, I think it starts with a choice. And I can choose to go to other people. I can choose to scroll on my phone. I can choose to pour myself into work. I can choose to withdraw or um, isolate or, you know, be away from others. Um, but doing that isn't making God my refuge most of the time. And so it starts by choosing that for me and uh, deciding that that is a priority. And I'm going to start there and then go from there on what I what I need. Yeah, we just came out of a very powerful encounter weekend where, you know, a bunch of men attended and, and uh, faced their stuff and, and got freedom. And we talked about strongholds, bad strongholds that uh, keep us from being the men that we are called to be. Um, and then there's good types of strongholds. And this is what this refuge is speaking to. What are those solid biblical, good strongholds that you can f- go and then find refuge to? So we have this verse uh, in our house, Psalm 91, because that's what we want our house to be. We want it to be a refuge place for our family. We want it, we want it to be a stronghold where uh, walls are up so that you know we, we cultivate intimacy in our family and with our kids. And obviously they're small now, so it's not like we're having the deepest theological conversations about things, but even asking, how was your day? What was your high? What was your low? Uh, making them feel known is is important um, and something that we're striving for. So I would say if, if you do have kids, if, if, if you are married, that's a really good thing to protect and, and a good place for you to find refuge uh, with. Another place is with your community group. That's a safe place. Um, and, and we have to cultivate that those personal relationships mm-hmm. and, and we have to continue to go to one another so uh, we can find, um, yeah, that safety with within those relationships. It, it's, it happens over time. It doesn't happen automatically. Um, but again, as the people of God, you know, we are called to be that safe place. Boaz was that safe place for Ruth um, and, and he was a man of God. And so it's the same thing for us. We, we have an opportunity to be that safe place for others. Yeah, I mean, I like how you broke it down there because it starts with it being personal us between us and God. And yeah. then from there, not doing it alone, finding a place, a community group, uh, people in our lives that, you know, are rooting for us, surrounding us, encouraging us, that are that are safe, that we can um, experience that with. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And the last one here is God is our redeemer. If there's kind of one central 
theme amongst this uh, message. Again, this story is not just about Boaz or about Ruth, but just truly it is about God redeeming uh, these imperfect people for his perfect purpose, and that is us. And so uh, what is the significance of this redeeming factor and why is it something that's even just relevant for this Christmas season that we're in? We all like a good redemption story. Uh, movies are filled with them, and uh, we have one right here. I was on my run this morning, and it just hit me. I was thinking about the redeemer whose name we don't know. This guy who was uh, had the opportunity, the kinsman redeemer, to marry Ruth, uh, obviously have some land. So he was in with the land. But then when it came to Ruth, um, we don't know exactly why he, he said no then, but it was that was the missing variable. So we know it was because of Ruth, maybe because she was a Moabite, maybe because he didn't want to marry her. Um, we, those are hard things to understand in, in, in modern days. But what struck me was that he missed an opportunity to be a part of God's redemption story. So this man really could have been a part of the lineage of Jesus, but instead he gave that up. And then we got Boaz, whose mother-in-law was Rahab, the prostitute. And so I think that, or not mother-in-law, mother, um, mother. And so I think that that's something that really is, is beautiful in this story. Um, we all have an opportunity to not miss it. And, and to be a part of God's redemption story. This man, the Redeemer, was looking out for his own benefit. He uh, wanted to gain some land again. He, he didn't want to mess with his inheritance. The text tells us that. And, and he, he misses out on, on being a part of God's larger redemptive story. So for me, the question that, that, that struck me and, and humbled me was, what choice are you going to make today? Are you going to be looking out for yourself? Or are you going to be a part of uh, God's redemptive story and and it may be something foreign that that comes up in in my day um that that is a hidden opportunity to be a part of uh, god's ultimate story mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think just even the relevance of christmas and whatever i mean it looks different i think for a lot of us especially when it comes to family and yet we all have a family in some uh, way shape or form and regardless of how close we are and yet at least in my experience, it, it brings a lot of opportunities just even amongst family members. Whereas with friends, you may know them for maybe a year or two or even longer, but for family, you've often seen them through yeah. all kinds of stuff. And so showing them the kind of love and just even uh, trusting God's redemption for them may even be something that's uh, relevant in those in those conversations. Taylor, would you add anything on just that, the the importance of redemption and even just seeing that in our lives as we go about loving others. Yeah, I think you're right. The holidays can bring a lot of stuff up and you see maybe new flaws or if you've been away from your family for a while and you're coming home to visit or you're, you know, visiting a relative, you remember flaws about people that you had kind of forgotten. And so, you know, I think it kind of takes us back to where we started in this conversation of the story and the generations of Jesus. They're real people um, with flaws and so are our families and so are our stories. And so these four points that we've kind of picked through of God sees us in the tough times, God's kindness accompanies us, God's our refuge and God is our redeemer. I mean, those are four truths that we can really hold on to this holiday season, whether it's wonderful and great and delightful or whether we're experiencing a tough time. Amen to that. All right. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us, conversations 
and cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.